Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 19. Um, Now this is Paul. He's talking to the church in Rome. And uh, this is a passage of scripture that... uh, a lot of people debate about and what he was referring to and what he was talking about. But this is Paul speaking. I think we can relate to his words. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. <laughs> Anybody relate? But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really doing the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, everybody say right, I inevitably do what is wrong. It says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. If I'm reading this letter, I'm like, Paul. You're not uplifting me right now. You're, you're discouraging me. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Everybody say, thank God. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on, if you know Jesus is the answer, give him a shout of praise tonight. Paul's communicating to this church in Rome who whose background is not one of Jewish descent, but one of a, of a Greek descent. And so he's trying to explain something to him that I believe that we can all relate and catch on to is that we can't do this life on our own. That if we try to do what is right on our own, we're going to end up doing what is wrong. And sometimes even as Christians, we can convince ourselves that we have read enough, learned enough, or done enough to say, hey, I... I've reached a point to where I can do right all by myself. But Paul was saving, even I struggle with that. But thank God for Jesus Christ. Because the power within me is greater than the power in the world. Amen? Here's a title for tonight. The strength of righteousness. The strength of righteousness. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this house. We thank you right now, God, that we are focused right now. That, God, we are intentional with our thoughts. That, God, we give this service over to you. That we just want to do what your will tells us to, what your spirit is directing us to do. Father, we are here for you. So we open up this atmosphere. We open up, Father, our hearts and our minds. We're ready to receive the best that you have to offer, God. So we come with a heart of expectation, God, with a faith of expectation that we're going to receive breakthrough tonight, that we're going to see change break tonight, that, God, we're going to see your best take place tonight. In the name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen, amen. Come give Jesus a hand clap of praise, and y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Thank y'all for standing in honor of the reading of the word. When I first... um, well, when I graduated high school, it was never on my mind to go to Bible college. I've t- shared the story with a few of y'all, but it was never something I wanted to do. Matter of fact, I always made fun of my sister, who was in the second row for going to Bible college. And, uh, but the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor. 
And uh, shortly after graduating high school, by a way that only the Holy Spirit can do, he directed me to Bible college. And so when I was first there, I was meeting all these people. And, and one of these guys I met, he graduated high school earlier. And so he was really young. He was, he was 16. He was 16 going to this Bible college with a bunch of 20-something-year-olds and 19-year-olds. And, and he was my roommate. And when I first met him, I felt God tell me to, to help him, to kind of treat him as my little brother, and so I did. I, I, I took him under my wing, per se, and I, and I had him close to me and made sure that he wasn't, um, you know, making the wrong friends, but making the friends who had the best intentions for him. But I would always have these conversations with him, especially at the beginning, because he, he had this struggle. He would always say, he would say, you know, Caleb, I, I, I know what to do. I know what is right, but it always seems like when I get into that atmosphere of temptation and when I get into that to that place where I have to choose between what is right and what is wrong he said it feels like what to do the the wrong thing to do is so strongly pulling me it's almost to a point where I I can't even do what is right in that moment of temptation and he says "I, I know what to do but it just seems I don't know how to do it and I believe that this is what Paul is referring to when he's talking about that dichotomy when he said that there is a force that is working against him or a force that is pulling him away from what God is telling him to do. And, and a lot of people, theologians, debate whether or not Paul was referring to his time before Christ or he's referring to his time now. But either way, I think we can all relate to that thought. I think we can all relate to the thought of I know what to do. That's one thing. But doing what I know what to do is another. Like I know not to hit the snooze button, amen? But not hitting the snooze button is a totally different animal, right? We know that last donut does not need to be eaten. But knowing it doesn't need to be eaten doesn't mean it's easy not to eat the donut, amen? Or let me say it like this. We know that we shouldn't respond to gossip in that way. But not partaking in it is a whole lot harder than knowing we shouldn't do it. Or we know we shouldn't do that or go to that web page or go to that friend's house. We, we know what we shouldn't do, right? But it's a whole lot harder to do what is right than knowing what is right. But if we have that desire is one thing, but to have the discipline is something else. And I believe that it is only something that God can give us. Because if we try to do it on our own, I don't know if you ever tried to live life without Jesus or try to do his will without him. But if you try to do it without Jesus, you quickly learn that you don't have the discipline required to do it. That you don't have the ability to do God's will without God. But you need him every step along the way. And I think this is what Paul was referring to. Because if we try to do things on our own, that that force that is pulling us away from God will get a whole lot stronger. Matter of fact, it will get so strong that we couldn't resist. Like my friend was saying, he was he was saying that it, that pull to in that moment of temptation is so strong. He says it's like I don't even have a chance against it. I don't know if you're in this house tonight, and maybe you can relate to that statement. But I believe that just how Paul said that there is an answer, and his name is Jesus. Amen. 
But if we do not realize what the correct tactics and strategies are, then we will succumb to that temptation. If we don't realize that there really is something trying to pull us in the opposite direction of God's will, then we will become susceptible to, to going in the direction that we know we shouldn't go. Paul actually says it like this, and just a chapter earlier, he says it like this in Romans 6, verse 12. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign. Everybody say reign. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law but under grace notice that Paul didn't say that sin shall not be present or temptation shall not be present he said sin shall not have dominion over you because I don't know if you knew this but before Jesus sin had dominion over us it dominated us there's nothing that we could do to combat against the curse of sin. There's nothing that we could do without Jesus. We are helpless against the dominion of sin. But he said sin will no longer dominate us. Temptation might still be present. We live in a fallen world. Sin will still be there. But with Jesus, and we'll get into it, with the power of the Holy Spirit, sin doesn't have to dominate us. We don't have to live like we did before. We don't have to operate. Our thinking doesn't have to be the same how it was before. No, after Jesus, sin doesn't have to dominate us. As you all know, I have a little almost six-month-old girl, Sailor Joy, and she is the sweetest thing ever. And I was looking at her this morning and is thanking God for her and you know, I always wanted to be a dad, and just seeing that, I was just thanking God for, for the gift and the joy um, that she is in our life. And I was, I was looking at her, just probably how every parent looks at their child. They, they just see the purity. They see the, this, the, the kindness and the innocence, right? And they just see how, how special they are. And, and as I was looking at, you know, Sailor, I was, I'm, you know, just how it, Every dad thinks, like, I'm going to do anything and everything to protect this little girl, right? There's nothing I'm not going to do to make sure that she is protected, to make sure that she, the world doesn't get to her, to make sure that she's on the right path. I'm going to do everything that I can do. And as I was looking at her, I heard God tell me, imagine how I feel looking at you. Imagine how I feel looking at my creation. And thinking, I'm going to do whatever I can do to bring him back to me. Because on our own, right, righteousness is not attainable. We cannot attain righteousness through our works or even through our innocence alone. No, righteousness is only attainable to Jesus Christ. And God looked at us and he loved us so much that he sent himself, wrapped himself in flesh, and died for us. Why? So that way we could be righteous in the eyes of the Father. Amen. This is what it says in Romans 3.22. It says, we are made right. Everybody say right. 
with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what we think we've done. It doesn't matter what our past says. When we say yes to Jesus, our past has been washed away. And by the blood of Jesus, we are now made righteous in the eyes of the Father. And he said this is available for everybody. You see, as he's talking to the Roman church, see, some people would tell these the, the Christians in Rome that Jesus or, or salvation is only attainable for the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. But he said, no, I'm, I'm here to tell you that this is for everybody. That everybody who calls upon the name of Jesus will be made righteous in his eyes. That by the blood of Jesus, we are made righteous. And he says this, he says, right, be made right with God. And really that's the definition of righteousness I believe we have the slide. If you want to connect your mind with what righteousness means, is right standing. Everybody say right standing. Right standing with God. That we, in his eyes, are righteous and right standing with his will and right standing with what he wants for us. Because you can be confused and sometimes think that righteousness is right standing with man. Or right standing with culture. Or right standing with society, meaning that. Whatever the world says is good, if we align ourselves with that, then that makes us righteous. But that's not the thing. The truth is that righteousness is not right standing with anybody else, but being right standing with God. Because there's going to be times where you're not going to be right standing with somebody because you're right standing with God. There's going to be times where you're going to be righteous in God's eyes, but not righteous in the world's eyes. There's going to be times where you have to choose, do I want to be right standing with my friends or society or or try to fit in with what's around me, or do I want to be right standing with God? And that's what righteousness is. Right standing with God. But that begs the question, how do I know I'm right standing with God? Or I get this question all the time, how, am I, how do I know I'm right with God, right? Or talk to those people, like, I just want to get right with God. I just want to get right with him. This is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He said, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say. I will show you what it looks like when someone comes to me. They listen. Everybody say listen. They listen to my teaching and then follows it. That's how you know you are right with God. Because it's one thing to acknowledge that he is Lord. It's a whole other thing to align with the Lord. Because there's people who acknowledge that Jesus is Lord but not align with his will. Acknowledge that Jesus is, is the Lord of lords. And he says, look, you're calling me Lord, Lord, but you're not doing what I say. If you know that I am the Lord, if you know I am the, the Savior sent to the world to, to redeem us from sin, then why aren't you doing what I say? See, when you truly know that Jesus is Lord, it should change something on the inside of you. When you truly know that Jesus is who he says he is and you have that connection and that revelation, it should spark a response. It should spark something on the inside of you that says, I want to change me because of who Jesus is. I should change my thinking because of who Jesus is now. Because if our thinking is the same before Jesus and after Jesus, there's something going on. 
If our perspective is the same before Jesus and after Jesus and something's going on, but if, we, but if we should look at our lives and say, this was my life before Jesus, but this is my life after Jesus. Before Jesus, I was very easily aggravated with anger and jealousy, but after Jesus, I have peace and I have patience. Before Jesus, I had a perspective of of anger and negativity, but after Jesus, now I have perspective of saying Jesus is the Lord. I have that view of perspective of positivity. There should be a difference between your life before Jesus and after Jesus. I just have one point for tonight, and it's this. Righteousness is not God aligning with us, but us aligning with God. Righteousness isn't saying God... I know you're Jesus. I know you're Lord. So align with me. Align with my will. Align with my plan. No, righteousness is saying, God, I know who you are. I'm going to align with your will. I'm going to change myself to align with the Savior. I'm going to change the things that I'm doing, what things I'm thinking to make sure it lines up with the word of God. Because if we think walking in righteousness requires no change of something on the inside of us, then, then we're kidding ourselves. Really, righteousness, like Jesus said, it requires obedience. He said, they listen to me and they follow it. It requires obedience. Does that mean it requires perfection? No. But I do think that we need to be persistent in the will of God. Scripture says that the righteous man falls seven but gets up again. Scripture doesn't say that the righteous man is perfect in all he does. No, he says the righteous man knows the truth. And even when he stumbles, he doesn't stay down there. He gets back up again. Even when he makes a mistake, he doesn't stay down there. He gets up again because truly a mistake doesn't make you a failure. It makes you human, right? But here's where a mistake can mess you up. It's when you make a mistake and you remain in that mess and say, I'm not worthy anymore of righteousness. I'm not, I'm not worthy anymore of of, of these things, of the will of God. But here's the thing. It's not because we are worthy. It's because he is worthy. And so whenever we fall, it's not that we say, oh, I have, I have to have be perfect again. They say, no, I have perfection who lives on the inside of me. And so when I fall, I'm going to get back up again. Why? Because I have a Savior. I have, I have access to a power that is outside of this realm of the world that we live in but comes straight from heaven. So who am I? To remain down after a mistake. Who am I to remain in my mess after I made a mistake? No, I have Jesus on the inside of me. And even though I have made that mistake, I'm getting back up again. Why? Because that's righteousness. Righteousness isn't perfection. It's persistence. It's saying, oh, I made a mistake, but I'm going to get back up. I made a mistake, but I'm going to get back up. And, and hear me, I'm not saying the same mistake, all right? Because that's not getting back up. That's a pattern, all right? But I'm saying, hey, I made a mistake. I'm going to get back up, I'm going to turn my back on the old, and I'm going to continue to the new. I made a mistake, Jesus, forgive me, and as soon as you have that heart of repentance, it's gone. You don't got to think about it again. Continue on your purpose with God. That's what righteousness is. This is what verse, 1 John 2.29 says. It says, if you know that he is righteous, everybody say Righteous. Do you know that everyone who practices, say practices, everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. 
See, righteousness isn't about perfection. It's about practicing. See, he didn't say, hey, everybody who's perfect in righteousness is righteous. No, he said everybody who practices righteousness. That is those who are born of me. Those who continue on this race even when they stumble. Those who continue on believing after me even when life doesn't go according to plan. Those who continue and be my disciple even when the world becomes difficult. No, what righteousness is is being practiced each and every day. Practice each and every day. Because that's how you get good at something, right? You got to practice it. If we want to be like how somebody is a professional NBA player, Man, when I was growing up, you could not convince me I wasn't going to the NBA. I think every kid thinks that. I was like, look, but then I quickly realized it's not going to happen. <laughs> but NBA players are in the NBA because why? They practice what they do. If we are going to be disciples of God and if we are going to be, have some production in it, if we're going to have a career in it, if, if we're going to be a fruitful disciple of God, we're going to practice it right? We're going we're gonna to treat it, Paul, Paul said it like this, right, like an athlete. Treat my walk with God like how an athlete treats, his, treats a race. I'm going to practice it. I'm going to work on it. Hey, and you know when you practice it, maybe you're not the best at it at the, at the start, but you get better. Each and every day you get better. Each and every day you get stronger. Each and every day the things you were struggling with, all of a sudden you have the strength against it. It's something you have to practice. And that leads us back to Paul and my Bible college bro. Because Paul was describing this dichotomy of I feel a pull on one side and a pull on the other, a pull to righteousness and a, and a pull from, from somewhere that is not of God. And I, I'm trying to know what to do. And in Romans 8, verse 4, this is a chapter after what we're reading, he says, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now notice this real quickly. He says it's going to be fulfilled in us, not by us. That's meaning that righteousness isn't fulfilled by our works. Righteousness is fulfilled in us through Jesus Christ. So we say righteousness will be fulfilled in us. We don't fulfill it ourselves. It's fulfilled in us through Jesus now he said, fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. Everybody say flesh. But according to the spirit. Everybody say spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is Enmity, everybody say enmity, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So Paul begins to describe a dichotomy. Can you see it? The flesh and the spirit, right? He begins to describe things pulling on you. He begins to describe the choices we really have to go with the spirit or go with the flesh, and he begins to describe it. And when he begins to describe the flesh, he uses a word that I thought maybe, Paul, you misspelled the word enemy, right? Because I read it, I said, enmity. I said, Paul, did you misspell something? Or so, I don't know, but I looked into what that meant. And enmity means this. You have a definition of it. When he described the flesh, enmity means to be in rebellion against or hatred towards. 
So he says this about the flesh. He says, the flesh is in rebellion against God, is in hatred towards God. There is no good in the flesh. There is nothing good that will come back and even use the words this, and nor can there ever be. Saying that the flesh is constantly in rebellion towards God, and really that's what the economy is. The economy that Paul is describing is one of either righteousness or one of rebellion. Saying that we have a pull on the inside of us pulling us towards righteousness and a pull on the inside of us pulling us to rebellion. And that our flesh is constantly in rebellion against God. Have you ever wondered why you can't trust your feelings and emotions? Ever thought like, hey, I'm just going to live and do whatever I feel like, whatever emotions I have. Right? Just do whatever I feel like doing. Let me tell you this. It might be pleasing to the flesh, but it's in rebellion towards God. Because the flesh is always rebelling us against the will of God. And if we go down that path, we're going to be in rebellion towards God. And let me tell you this. If you've read your Bible, you know and understand the last place you want to be is in rebellion against God. The people of Israel says that they had to spend 40 years in that, in, in, in that wilderness. Why? Because they were in rebellion against God because they, they did a sacrifice to a golden calf and they rebelled against them. He said, because of this. And because of you not seeing the perspective that I have, he, he wanted to strike them down after that moment. But it says that they rebelled against him. And really that's the story of, of the law is that they knew what to do. They knew what the right thing was to do under the law. But they were constantly rebelling towards God. Because they didn't have Jesus on the inside of them. And they kept on rebelling against God, they kept on rebelling against what, what God had for them. And if we're not aware of this battle that's taking place on the inside of us, if, not, if we're not aware that we have the same dichotomy that Paul describes, that we have a battle going on between rebellion and righteousness, and if we're not intentional, we're not going to know which is which. We're not going to know what God, what is pulling us towards God's will and what's not. But Paul begins to describe how we can begin to apply. Because to be in a rebellion against God is, is to be in a place where God can't bless and God can't protect. If there's something that the enemy wants us to do, because here's the, here's the thing about the, about the devil, about the enemy. He's in complete rebellion against God. And he wants us to join him there. And here's the thing that Pastor Bobby mentioned too. The devil has no choice but rebellion. That's the only choice he has. But we have a choice of righteousness. Before Jesus, we had no choice but rebellion. But now, after Jesus, we have a choice of righteousness. And that same battle is going on. The enemy's trying to pull us down with him, and he's trying to convince us of rebellion. And if we are not intentional with our thinking, with our words, and with our perspective, we're not going to know what path to take. And we're going to go with what Paul describes as leading by our flesh. Because when we are in rebellion against God, God can't protect that. It would go against God's nature to protect those who rebel against him. That would go against the nature of God. It would go against God's nature to, put, to, to bless those who rebel against God. That's why it's so key for us to be walking the path of righteousness. Because I don't know about, about you, but I want to be in God's will. 
I want to experience God's best. I want to make sure that I'm walking in the blessings that God has for me. Why? Because I know that only peace is there. Joy is only in that path. I know that the only way I can truly achieve God's purpose is going down God's will. Proverbs says it like this about righteousness. He says that righteousness, the, the, the steps of a righteous man are blessed. That if you are right standing with God, you, your steps will be blessed. If you're in right standing with God, everything that you do will be blessed. Why? Because it doesn't mean you're in right standing, you have to be right standing with man or right standing with society. But you, when you are right standing with God, your steps will be blessed. So before I please anybody, I always make sure I'm pleasing God. Because I know if I please God, and guess what? My steps will be blessed. And even if there are some things that I don't understand, even if there's some things going on, or I'm saying maybe it feels like the world's coming against me, but if I know, hey, if I'm good with you, God, I'm blessed. If I'm good with you, God, I know I, I'm going to walk down that path of joy, walk down that path of peace, because if we focus on our emotions and our feelings, we're going to be confused about the path of righteousness. Because sometimes we'll be going down that path. I know we all experienced it. Say, God, something's not right with your will, God. This doesn't feel good, right? This isn't working how I thought. I thought I would be here, but now I'm there. I thought I'd be over there, but now I'm still in Victoria. God, this doesn't feel right. Our righteousness isn't based on our feelings. It's not based on our emotions. If we don't understand that, then we're just going to go with, with everything, with whatever feels good, and call it God. And be confused when things fall apart. But there's a battle going on. Can't you see it? Righteousness and rebellion going on. Constantly going on on the inside of us. And if we do not recognize how to be able to know what is God's will and what is not, we're going to be walking double-minded, Scripture says. Not secure in either one. I don't know about you. I want to be a secure Christian. I want to be a secure child of God. He's not wondering what the world thinks and not wondering what's going on, but secure and saying, you know what? I know the will of God. I'm confident in the will of God, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue. Because here's the thing about confidence. It's one thing to be confident in yourself. It's another thing to be confident in God. It's one thing to be confident in your abilities. It's a whole other thing to be confident in God's abilities. Because when you're confident in God, it doesn't matter if the world has you outnumbered. It doesn't matter if you feel like you don't have enough on the inside because you're not confident in those things anyways. You're confident in God. So you're saying, God, you know what? I don't feel like I'm capable, but I know you are. God, I, I, I don't feel like I have enough in the bank, but I know you do. God, I don't feel like I have the, the, what I need to get there, what the world says I need, but I know that you do. And when you're confident in God, you're going to walk that path. Not looking to the left or the right, but have the understanding that you're walking down the path of righteousness. And that dichotomy of righteousness and rebellion is constantly going on. There's a story about a Cherokee chief. Some of y'all might know this story. Explaining to his grandson, explaining to him about life. And he says, I, I should have looked how you say grandson in Cherokee, but I don't know. But he said, grandson, he said, there's a battle going on between two wolves. 
So one wolf is two wolves on the inside of, of me. He said, one wolf is, is constantly leading me to anger and jealousy and lust and pride and all the things of the flesh. And he said, another wolf is, is leading me towards kindness and love and joy and, and leading me to the things of, of peace. And, and he says, and those, that battle's going on inside of every one of us inside of you and me, and the grandson asks, well, which one wins, right? Which one's going to win? Which wolf is going ha- to overcome the other? And he says, the one you feed. The wolf you feed is who's going to win. Think in the same way there's a battle going on the inside of us. And sometimes we can be confused really about Who's going to win, right? The pool from one side feels stronger than the other. But look at what Jesus says in Matthew 26, verse 41. And he was talking to his disciples at this moment. He said in verse 41, he said, watch and pray. I believe they have the scripture. Matthew 26, verse 41. He said, watch and pray lest you enter temptation. Everybody say temptation. Say, watch and pray lest you enter temptation. Because this is what Jesus says, talking to his disciples. He said, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. He said, if you don't watch and pray, you're going to be susceptible to that temptation. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit's trying to pull towards righteousness, but the flesh is trying to pull towards rebellion. And if you don't pray, if you don't watch, if you're not intentional, you're going to be susceptible to that temptation. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, if we do not have that focus on us building our spirit, man, if we do not have that focus on feeding the things of God, when it comes to that moment of temptation, we're going to give in to the stronger wolf on the inside of us. Because if all we do is the things of the flesh and not the things of the spirit, and when we come into that time of temptation, like my friend said at Bible college, he said, I get into that moment of temptation, and it feels like I don't even have a choice. The pull is so strong to do what is wrong, it feels like I don't even have a choice. But if we do not focus on our relationship with God, it's going to feel like that. We're going to know who God is. We're going to know what to do is right. But if we don't spend time with him and we get into that moment of temptation, we're going to feel weak in our spirits and our flesh is going to feel strong. And it's going to feel like we don't even have a choice but to give in to that temptation. See, that is not God's will for us. See, if we do things of the flesh, it strengthens the flesh. But who's thankful if we do things of the spirit, it strengthens our spirit. Because we have the choice. And that's really the beautiful thing is that we have the choice to choose righteousness or rebellion. We have the choice which one we're going to feed. And the more we spend time with God, the more we spend time in his presence, the more we spend time in prayer, the more we spend time focusing on our relationship with God, the stronger our spirit man will become, the stronger we will feel in that moment. And let me tell you this, I know you've experienced this if you spend time with Jesus. 
that there was moments where before Jesus you were weak in temptation, but now after Jesus you get in that same temptation, and it doesn't even bother you anymore. Why? Because your spirit man is stronger now than your flesh. Because now the spirit has been fed, the spirit has been in the place of God's presence, and that's really where your spirit man gets charged up. I remember when I, you know, I remember when I really first started taking God seriously, and I knew a temptation, whatever was on the way, I said, I'm just going to pray in the spirit right now. I'm going to begin just to worship and go deep into it, because I don't want any chance of that temptation overcoming me, overcoming my spirit. I don't want no chance for my flesh to be stronger than my spirit. And I know if I focus in this moment and really push in and really just begin to love on Jesus, I know I'm going to be strong enough when that time comes. I know that I'm going to be able to resist that temptation. Why? Because I've been strengthening my spirits. What I want to close with tonight is just with some things that, ways to strengthen the spirits. Ways to begin to get stronger on the inside. Ways to begin to feed the spirit, man. And we're going to go through these real quickly. But are you all enjoying tonight? I know we're going a little different. Here's some things. First one is focused prayer. Everybody say focused. Focused prayer. I did just put prayer. Then God said, no, put focus. I said, okay. Focused prayer. Because there's times in our, in our moments with Jesus when we begin to pray not things of relationship but repetition where we pray the same prayer so many times we're praying to God but our minds on Chick-fil-a I'm preaching to myself if Haley was here but when we are in focused prayer that's when the spirit man begins to get fed when we are in focused prayer and we're saying God I'm not thinking about anything else right now there's nothing more important than what I'm doing right now and that focused prayer might only be five minutes, but I'm telling you that five minutes will be more powerful than five hours of unfocused prayer. Focused prayer. Next one is reading scripture. You know, when the more you begin to read the word of God, the text says that it's like a two-edged sword, right? Cutting at your flesh. And that's how it's supposed to feel like. Cutting at the things that are supposed to be removed from you and making your spirit man stronger and refined. That's what God's word does. Next one is kingdom conversations. Everybody say kingdom. Kingdom conversations. I think this is a really cool one. When you just talk to somebody about Jesus, something happens to your spirit man. When you just begin to talk to somebody about how good Jesus is, and just begin to, instead of gossiping, instead of talking about all the dumb stuff we talk about, if we just talked about Jesus more often, I'm telling you, we're going to be in a much better mood. And have those kingdom conversations and just begin to talk about the goodness of God and say, well, do I, there, you know, will we run out of things to say? No. Let me tell you this, you will never run out of things to say about Jesus. When we have those kingdom conversations and begin to talk, I know there's been times I love my mama so much because we have some kingdom conversations. And sometimes it's talking about my mom. I'm, I'm in a hurry, and she starts to talk about Jesus, and I'm like, okay. I start talking about Jesus. Before I know it, I feel a whole lot better about my day. Kingdom conversations. The next one is participating. Everybody say participating in church. Once again, I was... I did put attending church. Holy Spirit said part, put participate. I said, okay, Lord. Because there's a difference if you just sit in a chair and you don't participate. 
Now, that doesn't mean you have to yell back at everything we say or whatever. That doesn't mean that. Participate in the Spirit. Be intentional. It means that I'm not just here to check it off my to-do list. No, I'm here to get stronger in the Spirit, better in the Spirit, to grow and to participate. I'm not here to spectate. I'm here to participate. Participate in church. Next one is fasting. This is one that... <laughs> you probably know what I'm going to say. This is one where I struggle with the most because I try to convince myself I don't need a fast. I need to eat as much as possible. But God helped me with that. Fasting, there's a powerful thing when you begin to fast and you begin to say, God, now this doesn't mean you have to just go 12 days without eating. Have a fast. You say, you know what, for the next 12 hours I'm going to fast, but I'm not going to go on a diet, right? Fasting is about going on a diet. Fasting means whatever I'm replacing, whatever I'm, I'm not doing, I'm replacing that with Jesus. So instead of spending my time eating, I'm going to spend my time praying. Instead of spending my time, whatever I was doing, you can fast from anything, social media, whatever I was going to do there, I'm going to replace it with Jesus. Because it's not about a diet. It's about me aligning myself with Jesus. And next one is intentional. Everybody say intentional. Intentional worship. Once again, I was just going to put worship. God said put intentional. Because I believe that it's more than just music. It's more than just entertaining the flesh. Because I don't know about you, but I love our worship because we have a very talented worship team. Very easy on the ears. But more than their talent is their heart. More than their abilities is the anointing. And that's what really we are intentional about. It's saying, God, I'm, I'm spending this time not to, this, to listen to, to the vocalists or listen to the instruments, but, God, I'm going to be intentional with right now just to worship you. We tell our worship team all the time is that we would rather have one person on the piano, but who's anointed, singing, because the presence of God will fall. Then an orchestra of people who are so talented, but no anointing, because that's not worship, that's a concert. And we don't want a concert here. We're here to have intentional worship. Can you stand to your feet? I'm closing tonight. Romans 8, verse 12. Romans 8, verse 12. This is Paul again continuing his, continuing his conversation with the Roman church. In verse 12, he says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Isn't that powerful? We no longer have the obligation to do what is wrong because we now have the opportunity to do what is right. Before Christ, we had the obligation to do what was wrong because we had no opportunity to do what is right. But because of the power of Jesus, now we have the opportunity to say yes to him. It says, for, you, for if you live by its dictates, one of sinful nature, he says, you will die. But if through the power, everybody say power. But through the power of the Spirit, you put to death, everybody say death, the deeds of your sinful nature and you will live. For all who are led by the spirits are of God. 
and are children of God. Paul is saying you don't have to do what your flesh tells you to do anymore. Before we didn't have a choice, before we were obligated, but now we have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So my friend in, in Bible college, we're having a conversation, and, and he was telling me about his struggles, and he was telling me about how he would get in that time of temptation, and he just felt like there was nothing else he could do but to do what his flesh desired. And I began to talk, and we began to pray. Because what his biggest struggle was is that he was in a relationship that he knew he shouldn't be. And he said, any time I would be around that person, it was just like my flesh would just pull so hardly. I, I It's just like I couldn't say no. And, and I said, bro, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live in a place to where you do whatever your flesh desires you to do. And now remember this, this guy, he knew who Jesus was and he was a Christian, but he just felt like there was no choice he had but to do in that moment of temptation. I believe that there's all, in all of our lives, we have that moment of temptation. We all have that thing that we struggle with. And he said, in that moment, it, it pulled me in a direction I knew I shouldn't go. And in that moment, we began to pray. And it's me and him in our dorm room. We begin to pray, and we just begin to pray. We said, Jesus, give us the strength. Give us the power to push back the flesh. Give us the power that only comes from you to walk in the righteousness that you called us to and to put to death the flesh and the rebellion that it pulls us to. And we began to pray, and the presence of God fell. And then it took long. We didn't really have long words or articulate speech. We were just crying out to God and say, God, this isn't how he needs to live anymore. And he got fed up with that feeling of having to go towards what he was struggling with. And he got fed up with that feeling of being weak in his spirit, and he cried out to God. And his presence fell. And we just felt his spirit all around us, and we began to worship. And something happened on the inside of him. Something happened that, although nothing changed on the outside, everything changed on the inside. Although he still looked like the same person on the outside, there was something that changed on the inside that I heard it cry out from his spirit. And we began to pray against any rebellious spirit. We began to pray against anything that wasn't from God. And we felt things leave his body and his spirit. And he began to begin to urge. And he began to groan. And he began to pray in the spirit. And we began to feel something different going on. And we knew it wasn't us. It was God. God's presence fell. And he was filled. And what's funny is that the next day he broke that relationship off. That deserves a hand clap of praise. Because what happened was this. As soon as he broke off that relationship, that, that girl got into a, a new relationship the next day. And he was, he was hurt from that, but he knew he made the right decision. And how we knew he really made the right decision 
how he, how we knew he really made the right decision is a month and a half later, we find out that person that he was in a relationship with was pregnant. And he said, bro, that could have been me. I, that could be me in that situation. But he said, thank God I gave in to his righteousness. Not saying that having a baby is a bad thing, but I would lock. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> but he was so thankful. He said, dude, he said, thank you for helping me. Thank you for praying with me. I said, look. I said, it has nothing to do with you and I. It has everything to do about the power of Jesus Christ. It has everything to do about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God's Spirit is what gives us the power to reject rebellion. God's Spirit is what gives us the power to reject anything of the flesh. Only by the Spirit of God are we able to overcome the fleshly desires. Are we able to overcome the, the, the worldly pulling only by the Spirit of God? Are we able to walk this life of righteousness? And if you're in this place tonight and you're saying, I'm struggling with my flesh. It feels like I'm trying to do what is right, but I keep on doing what is wrong. I feel like your Bible college bro who's trying to do what is right, but is doing what is wrong. I'm going to close with this thought, then we're going to worship and we're going to pray. I'm going to close with this thought. is that the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to choose righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Enables us to choose righteousness over rebellion. Only by the Spirit of God are we able to overcome the flesh. Only by the Spirit of God are we able to push back rebellion. Only by the Spirit of God are we able to walk this righteous life that God desires for us. With every hand lifted, let's begin to worship God. And if you're struggling with that, begin to have intentional worship. Begin to have some focused prayer and begin to build up your spirit and say, Father, I reject rebellion and I walk in righteousness. Come on, begin to praise Jesus. Come on, begin to worship his name. Come on, together, let's begin to sing. rebellion, if you are struggling with, you're feeling like, I need a breakthrough, I need agreement, I need to stand with somebody and pray against these things, come to our front, our pastors, our prayer partners, our elders will be up here, begin to, to just pray, because I believe this, breakthrough is going to happen tonight, so if you're struggling with that, come to the front, we love to pray with you, but for everybody else, let's begin to worship, let's begin to pray, because I believe that we're going to leave this place changed and transformed by God's Spirit. Come on, let's press in. we got enough time tonight. Let's press in and let the Holy Spirit do what He does. Thank you.
you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.